0: So much older than I'm than that now.
1: Making a difference in the lives of others. Not only is it the right thing to do, one of its biggest benefits is to you. I'm Bill Schaefer with Mark Middleton and this is Growing Boulder, the brand that is changing the way we think about age. Lending a helping hand, stepping in, opening your door, reaching out. Doing things help others immensely but the truth is it helps you too and mark we cannot overemphasize that concept enough
2: you make a great point mr schaefer the benefit in someone's life when you feel like you have a purpose when you feel like you're actually making a difference for others is immeasurable and over the next hour we're going to cover it all from those who have to those who don't we're talking about real people from widely varied circumstances making a difference in very different ways One of them was far more comfortable with animals than she was with humans. Diane Delano started a rescue center for abused and neglected horses, only to discover that she was doing amazing things for people too. Also, we've had an eye-opening conversation with a hockey player. This guy is a two-time Stanley Cup champion who is still playing at the age of 85. Only now, though, he treats his teammates like his sons. But first, From great wealth comes great responsibility, and he has stepped up time and time again. We'll find out what John F. Kennedy's nephew is involved in right now that just might help bring this country back together. Ordinary people, extraordinary lives. This is Growing Bolder. You know, if there ever has been a year that has challenged us all to grow bolder, It most definitely has been this past year. It has been a year of fear and frustration and anxiety and loneliness. Uh, And unfortunately, as we've also seen in cities all over America, uh, it has been a year of hate. In a word, it's been a year of great division uh, here in America.
1: It's a great point, Mark. And I think a lot of people out there just don't like it. And I think a lot of us are looking for a way to come back together. And now, just when we need it the most, Timothy Shriver brings us The Call to Unite, Voices of Hope and Awakening. Now, this is an amazing book. He's gathered thoughts and stories from spiritual leaders, poets, singers, writers, former presidents, celebrities, and workers out there on the front line, all of them sharing messages of hope and inspiration, all to remind us that we've got to find a way to come together because as the pandemic has so painfully reminded us, we are all part of the same
2: community. Yeah, the globe has gotten very, very small recently. Tim is a best-selling author. He's a film producer. He is a true leader of social change, uh, whose main job over the past uh, few decades has been as the international head of the Special Olympics. Uh, And I think to put it simply, folks, he is one of the good guys. So let's welcome Dr. Timothy Shriver. Tim, how are you doing today?
3: Thanks for having me, Mark. And thanks for the beautiful introduction from both of you. I think... uh, First of all, it's an honor to be with you. Uh, We got to talk earlier about the fact that our children know each other independently of any connection with us, and uh, to see a new generation of young people uh, challenging themselves to find the best within each other, crossing boundaries, uh, bringing new patterns and new ideas to the table. It's a story that doesn't get told that often, but you guys are telling the story, and I think you know, you're right, Bill, the way you put it, this, this little book we've got here. You can see so many of them behind me. I'm, I'm, uh, it's, not a, it's not a digital background. It's real books. Um, and they're beautiful. Uh, and I hope they're, they're an invitation. They're like a companion to your show uh, in some ways. There are they're 100 or so people, uh, many of whom the reader doesn't know, but are all coming ready to join you. We're in a tough time. You're many, So many of us are feeling a lot of pain and struggle. Uh, whether it's from COVID or many of the other challenges, to, you know, the, the recent killings, just unbelievably outrageously painful. But sometimes when we get to these moments, uh, Pastor Rick Warren in the book calls it a tsunami of grief. But, you know, Jay Shetty reminds us, even in a tsunami of grief, you can't stop celebrating. Don't diminish the grief. Uh, but as T.D. Jake says, go to the pain and when we go to each other's pain we actually find in each other uh, the tender uh, the compassionate the strong sense in which we are more at one than we are separate from one another and that's i hope the message of the book I, you know i'm crazy enough to think it's the it's the story emerging in our country right now but it just doesn't get play so what gets play is hatred what gets play is outrage what gets play is violence i understand why but what doesn't get play is another story. And it's a one I think we're all hungry for.
2: And I think we're all frustrated, Tim. over the difficulty in reaching out uh, to everybody in this diverse world in which we live. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about this book, because if it was just any one of the incredible people that you have, it would be easy for a large number of people to ignore it. But you have brought together a really eclectic group of, of interesting men and women. And I guess we should note that, uh, you know, the book was inspired by uh, The Call to Unite, an event that you organized uh, back in May. Uh, You brought together a lot of these same kinds of voices, many of the same people for a live 24-7 global stream. Uh, You raised $85 million to help those who have been impacted by the pandemic. At what point did it occur to you or did you know at that moment that this would also be very valuable as a book?
3: Well, you know, when we were planning the call, uh, we th- we had this crazy idea. Let's do a 24-hour live stream. Let's just invite everyone, all different kinds of people. And then I th- we thought to ourselves, well, who who's going to put that on? Who's going to host it? How are we going to ma- produce it? Anyway, it all came together. But while we were calling people, I was on the phone with my sister. And she writes, my sister Maria Shriver writes the epilogue in this book. She says, you know, this isn't just a show. This is a book. And I was like, Maria. We're trying to put on a 24 hour show. Let's just focus on the show. She says, no, no, you have to focus, focus. You're doing a show and a book. I was like, (laughs) "Okay, yes, ma'am. We're doing a show and a book. But she was right. Uh, You know, when we looked at the transcript after the show, in some ways, the words on the page were even more powerful because we can hold them. You know, a video you have to watch. It's on your phone. Maybe you look at it. But this is your companion. This is your bedside table. This is the handbook for a new story of us and a new story of you, the reader. All of these folks are, you know, like Pastor Rick Warren says in the book, if you're at a a bad spot in your life, if you're feeling a lot of pain, and if you are thinking about taking your life, don't. Here's my email. Write to me. We can respond. We're ready. We're here for you. So it's not just an abstract thing. You know, this sense of being united. It's the concrete manifestation of the, you know, the inner heart that each of us has reaching out across these all these divisions, uh, Republicans and Democrats. You know, some people say you have who in the book? And then they might fill in the blank with someone who's a Democrat who they don't like or someone who's a Republican they don't like. And then they read the text and they're like, my God. Uh, that's a that's a person who's got something to offer me. Maybe I've misjudged them. Maybe I haven't seen the full person. You know, we're not saying in this book, agree with everybody. But listen to deepen your wisdom and your understanding of everybody. That's the way to advance principles, not hatred and outrage uh, and disgust, which is too often how I think we see uh, the means of changing. If we can just hate people enough, they'll change. Uh-uh. Hatred and outrage doesn't, doesn
1: 't work to change people, I think we know that you know something else that that really hits home for me, and I, I think as a consumer of books or shows, you start thinking that well, if there 's a list of experts or stars, all it is is a little paragraph where they endorse it and say, "Wow, what a great book. But in this case, each person you brought on i mean we 're talking about big thinkers with diverse voices, each one offers something concrete and interesting, whether it's Eckhart Tolle, Julia Roberts, Bishop Jakes, who, by the way, I, I mean, he kind of, what a great, what a great quote from him, where he talks about all the pain that we've been through, especially over the past year, through the pandemic, through the violence and everything. He says, through pain comes a gift. Pain leaves a gift. And, and I wonder how those quotes hit you and if you have a favorite quote or contribution from one of the experts you know just when you were saying that I can always I can just
3: feel my body of respond it's like a, it's a visceral thing pain leaves a gift how many of us run away from pain well of course we do how many of us right now are in pain <laughs> Sorry to say millions and millions of our brothers and sisters in this country and around the world are in pain, uh, facing difficult decisions, uncertain, angry, feeling left out and invisible. It's deep pain. Bishop Jakes teaches in this book, not that pain is a gift, but that it leaves one and we recover from it as we share it with others, as we look for the deeper wisdom, as we tenderize, if I can say this, our hearts as we strengthen our conviction that life is good, even in the pain, then pain has left us uh, some enduring gift. Uh, You know, this is a man, Bishop Jakes, who was in in the midst of this pandemic, uh, funeral after funeral, you know, and and this, of course, we know this pandemic ravaged uh, black and Brown communities in a way it didn't in many others. His ministry is in, in those communities. And, so to see not just the pandemic, but to see the, uh, the pain of centuries of discrimination and inequalities in our country, you just want to go, how do I learn how to do what you do, Bishop Jakes? How do I learn how to do what you do, Amy Grant, who teaches us how to deal with how she manages the great uh, pop singer, the great country crossover singer, Amy Grant, very vulnerably shares her own meditation practice, how she tries to deepen her faith even when she's feeling lost, out of control, inadequate, struggling at her wits end, overwhelmed, who doesn't feel that way, <laughs> you know, so many of us feel that way. So, you know, the, the book, it's just one of those things, Bill, where you, where you go, well, I know about pain, pain is horrible, right? It is horrible. But Bishop Jakes helps at least me find uh, a way to grow in and through it. And that's a lesson I, I dare say we
2: all need to learn. What a powerful voice you have, Tim. Uh, folks, we're, we are speaking with uh, Timothy Shriver, Dr. Timothy Shriver. Yes, and, Tim uh, is
3: fine. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, well, you know what? You earned it uh, many times over. Uh, so, so let's celebrate it. That's what we're all about. Uh, Let me ask you this. And honestly, I think this is more of an observation than it is a question. But um, you have been chairman of the Special Olympics since, I think, 1996. And and let's just say that you came by your desire to make a difference naturally. Uh, Your mother uh, is Eunice Kennedy Shriver, the founder of the Special Olympics. Your father is Sergeant Shriver, who founded the Peace Corps. Uh, Your uncle, for goodness sakes, is JFK. Uh, If your name were Joe Blow and not Timothy Shriver, the work that you have done, Tim, the impact that you have had would still be life-changing for millions, but you have had both the blessing and I'm guessing at the same time the burden of your ancestry. From the outside, it seems like you have not only found a, a perfect way to not only accept that responsibility and leverage that opportunity, but you've done it in a way that seems to suit you perfectly, a way that's authentic and amazingly self-aware. It's got to be good to be you.
3: That's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. Uh, You know, look, we we all have our stories. I I grew up, as you point out, uh, by most accounts, you'd say with enormous privilege, unfair privilege, wealth uh, political influence, attention, uh, all showered upon me. Um, but maybe, maybe the creator's design also re- put into that mix repeated overwhelming grief, loss as a little kid, confusion, what's going on? Can't understand. Um, as uh, some senses, I grew up that, uh, that to really find the best in me, to find what really matters most in life was not going to be something I could find from any superficial outcome. It just didn't work. You know, I could just see it. So while the privilege was there, so too was, uh, was an invitation to something deeper. And, you know, I, I've spent my life, as you point out, around the athletes of Special Olympics. You know what they are? In my view, one giant community, millions of people around the world saying, unite. You know, people with special needs are so frequently treated as though they're just too different to belong, too different to go to school, too different to go to work, too different to ride the bus. They're just too different to live in my neighborhood. No, it's not true. And, you know, my um, my journey uh, is um, has been uh, enormously privileged primarily in the teachers I've Uh, I've met. And some of them have Down syndrome. Some of them have autism. Some of them are 15 year old teenagers in urban America. And they've all tried to teach me one lesson, which is not to be divided from myself and not to be divided from others. And so the fact that I'm privileged enough to put my name on a book that includes so many of these voices, Loretta Claiborne, a Special Olympics athlete here, you know, uh, and as you say, Eckhart Tolle is here and Julia Roberts is here. And Daniil Schmal is here, a nurse. Uh, The wisdom of the heart comes in all sorts and forms. And I learned that growing up. And I'm very grateful to my parents for teaching it to me. But I think the lesson is, for us now, uh, more urgent than ever.
1: It's all because everyone we see, everyone we see, good and bad, they're a reflection of ourselves and who we are. And the bigger the privilege, the bigger the burden to Do something big to make a difference. And this is where we really congratulate you and your family, your big sister, Maria Shriver. This is exciting. She's an Emmy and Peabody award-winning journalist that everybody knows, best-selling author as well. But The Call to Unite is the first book published by Maria's New Publishing House, which she has founded to publish books that she says that seek to inform, ignite, inspire. And this seems like a great win-win-win for Uh, you, Maria Maria, you Most know, I'm, I'm, I'm
3: her first project because I'm I'm next younger than her in our family. So uh, I, I'm so uh, grateful that we're working together. You know, we sort of best friends for life in some ways, but never really on the same, you know, ne- literally in the same book. On this book, we got to work together. It's her imprint. She has a beautiful epilogue in here about searching for happiness uh, that comes at the end of this book. This beautiful. And just to remind people, you know, you can. This is just an easy book to read. A lot of the, the sections are just a page long. You know, here's Richard Rohr, uh, the Franciscan priest, writing about the apocalypse as a parting of the veil, inviting us all to see beyond the appearances. But the selection's only a page long. Sometimes it's just a page or two and you can pick it up at night and, uh, you know, and find yourself Elizabeth Gilbert here. Just two pages. Uh you find yourself in a companionship relationship as maria and i you know have been friends in some ways for life in some ways this is a friend this is this is another kind of a friend yes it's a book yes it's just pages and paper but i hope it's voices that meet us where we are i think there's something for everyone in here it's a beautiful book to give as a gift you know maybe people have missed their birthdays or missed a graduation or Have Mother's Day coming up instead of, you know, maybe the traditional gift. uh, Maybe remind people that you care about them by giving them a book that will be an accompaniment to them wherever they are in their journey.
2: You're a good guy and you're a pretty darn good salesman as well, Tim Uh, (laughs) Driver. Thank you. The call to unite, folks, is a powerful plea uh, for respect and unity. It's a perfect example of why diversity Uh, is both powerful, why it makes us who we are and gives us the strength that we have. And, you know, Tim, you mentioned Growing Bolder. Uh, We learn every day from the elders, uh, you know, that we profile. We learn about, you know, the importance of hope, the power of belief, the dignity of risk. Can you sum it up? You have had, as you mentioned, a privileged seat, the work that you've done with the Special Olympians, uh, the connection that you've had with this amazing, eclectic group of thought leaders. Uh, Is there a takeaway this moment in your life, is there a broad strokes moral uh, to the story of life that, that you've learned that you could perhaps share with wow. us?
3: It's a tough question, Mark. I wish I could, I'm not, uh, I'm not the soundbite guy sometimes for that kind of really pointed and very important question. I guess if I were gonna try, I would say, you know what the mystics say, we are already one. And right now, I do think in our country and around the world, people are looking for that sense of oneness. They're looking for, isn't there a better way than racism and classism and sexism? Isn't there a better way than losing all the virtue and faith? I mean, you know, both sides have have an argument here in my view. Sometimes you hear our conservative-leaning brothers and sisters saying, "Where's the faith? Where's the where's the values? Where's the virtue? Where's the self-reliance?" I think they're asking good questions. And our brothers and sisters that are more progressive saying, "Where's the equality? Where's the justice? Uh, where's the end of these? Si-? How about if we bring those two ideas together—the best of both?" I mean, look—I'm not saying everybody's the same, but I'm saying both have a have an invitation to us right now to have faith in humanity, have faith in each other, have faith in a higher power, if that's your language and if that's your uh, your experience. But at the end of the day, have faith that we can build a future with more justice and joy. It's there, it's emerging, it's in front of us. Um, there are as many voices as you hear telling you no, we're gonna give you a hundred voices that tell you yes. Yes, we can.
2: Well, I for your voice, for all you do, I feel Thank like you. we've made a new friend. Uh, he is Timothy Shriver, one of the good guys. His latest project has been called A Book of Wisdom to Light Our Way During These Dark Times. It's called The Call to Unite, Voices of Hope and Awakening. It is that and more now on sale just about everywhere. Uh, his voice, one we're grateful for. Tim, thanks so much.
1: Coming up, he's a two-time Stanley Cup champion who at 85 is still playing the game he loves. And what a storyteller. This is Growing Bolder. Boulder provided by the Center for Health and Well-Being now open in Winter Park. Wholeness, fitness, and medicine together in one convenient location, offering programs and services to promote healthy living and positive aging. More at yourhealthandwellbeing.org. Sign up for the Growing Boulder Insider newsletter delivered to your inbox every week. Be the first to see our latest interviews, stories, and tips for making each day count. Sign up today at growingboulder.com.
0: Hi,
1: I'm Bill Schaefer, and this is Growing Boulder. What is it? With athletes these days, something's going on. I mean, Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl at 43. And if you're still competing in your 40s, that's pretty impressive. Unless you know who John McMillan is. The guy is a hockey player. Two-time NCAA champ. Also two-time Stanley Cup championship. And let's see, when was his most recent championship? Oh, yep, Toronto Maple Leafs. That was in 19... Um, Sixty-three. How many years ago was that? And, oh, by the way, he's still playing at the age of 85 from Idaho. Let's say hi to John McMillan. Hey, John, how are you? Very well, Bill. Thank you. Listen, I've played my share of beer league, and I didn't want to stop. But if I skate now, oh, my gosh, my knees will be sore for two weeks. What do you do?
4: Well, I've uh, religiously gone to the gym uh, three times a week since I can remember. And I still do that right now, as, as soon as we're through here, why I'm, I'm dressed to go to the gym. So uh, I've, uh, I've stayed active.
1: You know, one thing uh, that I've become great at, you know, as time has gone on is making excuses. And I go to the gym too, but boy, I can think of some great excuses to maybe not go today or maybe not go tomorrow. What does it take to focus? Are, are there times you don't want to go?
4: Not really. I, I enjoy it, and I, and I really feel if I don't go, then I can feel it. I'm missing something.
1: Well, you know what? That's a great point, John, because people will say, wow, you know, you're still playing hockey at your age, and think, wow, you're sure lucky, but nothing happens by luck. I mean, generally, things are the result of hard work or hard effort. So tell me a little bit about your team, and what kind of league is it that you play in?
4: It, it's basically like you said. It's a beer league, but right now they don't give us time to have a beer. We have to get off the ice and go get out of the facility. So <laughs> we really missed that part. <laughs> but uh, I have had uh, I've had both both my shots, so I'm uh, I'm really ready to you know for the beer league to come back now.
1: Hey John, are there guys? There, there aren't other guys like you out there, are there? Are there other eighty-year-olds on on your team, or that you play against? No,
4: uh, probably in the late seventies and some early seventies. Most of them, I think, are in their fifties or late forties.
1: Well, you know what? It doesn't get any better than that. And I think that people are starting to figure out that it's activity. It's activity that keeps us who we are for as long as possible. Uh, you know, all, when things don't look like the gym, we're more apt to stick with it. Now, if I know hockey, there's two reasons to play. One's the love of the game and the other one you touched on, too. The other guy is in the room. Talk to me about the friendships that come from the sport. That even at this age, the camaraderie and, and what that means to you.
4: Well, it it, it really uh, is true. Uh, the friendships and the camaraderie, and we have just developed the best relationships that you can you could ever uh, think of happening. Even if you were your, your next door neighbor, they are that close. We're that close. We're that friendly. The ladies all uh travel when we travel and uh maybe they don't enjoy the games as much as we do but nevertheless they show up and they they cheer us on so and here in boise why uh oh i couldn't name i i'd I'd be here for hours naming all the people that uh, i would call my friends uh just from the
1: association with the hockey see that's great john because i'm sure you've seen many instances with friends of yours too as we get older you know especially as we retire our world starts to shrink you you don't see your friends as often maybe and you know you kind of struggle for a sense of purpose but when you're involved in something especially when it's something that you love like hockey man so now you've got friends that are counting on you people that are wondering Hey, where, where's Johnny? He's five minutes late. And hey, we got places to go and people to meet. That it, 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 it kind of keeps you sharp and you keep, keeps you active. Do you, do you buy that? I think that particularly for me in the hockey and and how hockey,
4: you know, uh, you have to think right now. You don't have a set a set play. Every play is is uh, it happens uh, at the moment. And the other thing there too is my team, which would be uh, all 13 to 15 guys. And if we play in a league that has 17, now I'm getting to interact with about a hundred people. And they all, uh, you know, during the course of the year or years, they become your friends.
1: And, and how great is it? I, I know that I know that they've got to be thrilled, too, because to meet somebody, to meet somebody who played in the original sixth league, much less somebody who was on two Stanley Cup winning teams. I mean, people don't understand there were only six teams in the league at that time, 21 guys on a team. So that means there were only, what, like 120-something NHL players in the world and you got to play with legends. I mean, how proud are you of what you've done being around guys like red Kelly and Frank, my Johnny Bauer, and playing for punch Imlock?
4: <laughs> you, you, uh, you, you named them all or uh, just about all of them. It, it uh, uh, I would wonder why that happened. Punch had to, uh, he had to see something in me that, uh, uh, Allowed him to keep me around. I wasn't uh, a superstar by any means, but uh, I was the tenth, generally the tenth forward. And as you said, to play with the likes of Frank and Johnny and Red Kelly and uh, Davey Keon, uh, you can go on and on. You can name that whole team, and it's just about an all-star group.
1: <laughs> and then after Toronto, it's, it's kind of interesting too. You moved on to the Detroit Red Wings. Where that year the team made it to the finals against Toronto again, and there you are with Gordy Howe on your team.
4: And Sidebo comes in and he says, uh, McMillan, you'll be playing with Howe and Delvecchio. Well, okay. <laughs> it's,
1: it's oh man, good. you could you could not have picked two more amazing legends to be sandwiched around on the ice. Were you thrilled or were you terrified?
4: Somewhere in between that.
1: <laughs> so you ended. You guys ended up having a great season. Like I said, you made it to the cup finals and Toronto ended up getting their third cup in a row. And when, when your career ended, when, when it was over, in the in, I guess in the early 70s, did you think about like hanging up your skates saying, look, I've had enough of this. I'm, I'm just going to move another direction.
4: Well, I was living in Memphis at the, I moved to Memphis, I got married and moved to Memphis, and then Memphis didn't have an ice rink. So I kind of, that was the end of it. And then, uh, well, about 15 years later, why I moved to uh, Boise, and Boise had a, an old uh, makeshift arena, and there was hockey going on there, and, and I didn't go out there for the longest time, and provided my brother, Alistair, he said, well, let's go there.
1: So I was back at it. It's fantastic. And, you know, we, we don't want to make it sound like you just breezed through life, because if there's one thing I think that all of us have in common, we, we face illness and we face injury and, and physical challenges. I know a couple of years ago you had you had to have your hips, you had to have hip surgery. What kind of things, what have been the most difficult things in your life, John, that you've had to fight through in getting older?
4: Well, the, these... uh I've had both hips replaced i had one replaced in 2011 and then i had the next one in 2018 uh, but i don't even know that i have those they're uh, just perfect with them
1: john you're a, you're a walking miracle i didn't know there was that much do you do you was there a, an inkling of a time in any of those where you thought, well, maybe this is a sign that I should stop?
4: Never entered my mind.
1: That's awesome. That's a, see, that's, that we need a little more John McMillan in all of us because, you know, I was talking about excuses. Sometimes when, oh, you know, the back's a little sore, I guess I'm not going to go to the rink today. But that's oh. probably when you need it the most.
4: And it's really easy to say, well, I don't think I'll do that then you must think about the good that it does for you and the good that it didn't do if you don't do it.
1: Well, I know part of it's probably genetics because you've got that fantastic hair that I've (laughs) never had since I was 14. Not jealous or anything, but it's also, I'm sure, it's attitude and, uh, and also the things that you have in your life. How important is your marriage and your relationship with your wife, Jolene?
4: I wouldn't be here talking to you if it wasn't for that. It, it's very, very, very important. I don't think that, that we—I uh, don't think we've had a crossword.
1: That's amazing. I, I know that a few years back, uh, folks, you'll get a kick out of this. When uh, John turned eighty, your wife got you a special present, but not something you'd ordinarily associate getting someone in their eighties. What she get for you? I got a
4: 1991 Corvette. <laughs> I have pretty much speechless for a while, and in tears.
1: Well, I think what happens, John, is when you follow your passion, no matter what it is, and a lot of people out there have different interests. Uh, but I share yours for hockey and I can tell you the hockey community is extremely supportive and it's, it's a lot more than a sport like many activities are. You see more people your age, my age involved in sports at this stage than ever because it's more than just the event. It's the, it's the friendships. It's people counting on you. It's you wanting to, to, to be there for others. You've, in your career, I mean, you've been around amazing people. You've had great accomplishments and every day you're showing us what's possible As we age, so from your unique seat in the arena, what advice can you give us as to what's really important in life?
4: Don't don't stop. Uh, You've got got to stay active, Uh, whether it's going out in the yard and uh, working in the yard or walking around the block. I, I couldn't imagine not being able to do something that I felt Uh, got my heart rate up, and uh, at the end of the day, I felt that I'd done something for me that would allow me to be here
1: tomorrow. What an uplifting conversation with the great John McMillan. Coming up, the story of a woman who dedicated her life to caring for abused and injured horses who never realized how much she was doing for people, too. This is Growing Bolder. And
0: on and on we go. The, kept me the music kept me high. The party kept on going Until I thought I Voice inside, so sweet and, low. It's on and on and on and on and on, and on we go
1: Sign up for the Growing Boulder Insider newsletter delivered to your inbox every week. Be the first to see our latest interviews, stories and tips for making each day count. Sign up today at growingboulder.com. Miss an episode of Growing Boulder Radio? Subscribe to our podcast and get it on your mobile device. Details at slash podcasts.
2: There's a Zen proverb that says knowledge is learning something every day, wisdom is letting go of something every day. In our business it's called editing. We rarely come up with anything that's too short. We always have to trim for time or length and the end result is almost always better. It's leaner, it's cleaner, it's more on point. But it's never easy. Editing has been called the process of killing your darlings. Successful aging is also a process of editing. It's doing less of what doesn't bring you joy and more of what does. You know those people that don't inspire, encourage, or support you? The ones who are always complaining? Do some editing. You know that garage full of stuff you never use? Do some editing. You know those out-of-style clothes in your closet that no longer fit? Do some editing. You don't have to go full-blown Marie Kondo, but you're old enough to know what does not spark joy. You know that 10K that hurts your knees? Let it go. You know that favorite food that now causes havoc with your stomach? Let it go. And while you're letting go of things, let go of self-doubt and anger and grudges and guilt and envy, jealousy, resentment and regret. You know that desire to be somebody you're really not? Let it go. Do some life editing. Let go of your attachment to anything that no longer brings value to your life and you'll be amazed at the space you create for the people the places and the things that do florida of course is known for a whole lot of stuff but did you know it's a great place for horses It is the third largest equine state in the U.S., but it also means there's a large number of horses who end up neglected or sometimes even abused. Bill Schaefer visited with Diane Delano, an ordinary person who is living an extraordinary life for taking care of horses, but also doing more for people than she ever realized.
1: So I'm going to go in here with Sage. It's a scene that happens over and over again every time a new horse arrives.
5: So I'm going to approach, and I'm going to ask her to let me touch her.
1: Diane Delano has to win their trust.
5: I'm standing sideways to her instead of straight on, and then I try to be as natural as possible.
1: She takes in horses that no one else will, like Sage, afraid, (laughs) uncertain and alone. Feel good? Still wild, still afraid of human interaction.
5: And that's a nice thing, she came actually closer to me.
1: Delano has a way about her, slowly but firmly helping Sage overcome the fear of helping her feel safe, secure and protected.
5: See how she saw that come? So she's still not ready for two hands.
1: This is what she does for horses who've been abused and neglected. Come right here. And without realizing it, she does with people too. The volunteers that help keep the Wild Horse Rescue Center going.
0: So he would graze.
1: They too come from all over looking for a place where they're needed, searching for a sense of purpose, wanting to make a difference. It's
5: amazing how many wonderful people come from the villages. It really
1: is. The Villages Florida is one of the largest retirement communities in the country, just a short distance from the Wild Horse Rescue Center. It's provided a steady stream of people looking to lend a hand in any way possible.
5: And it was amazing to see their ethics and their enthusiasm.
1: All right, you can shut that. Thank you. Even from people like Harvey Peterson. Good clean water. 82 years old and battling dementia. Still, his wife brings him every week. Mary, I got to stand there and watch Harvey fill the buckets, and take the water around. Mm -hmm. But I also got to see the magic that happened when Harvey would connect with these horses.
4: Mm -hmm. You want me to scratch on you, you know that? (laughs) Oh, boy, he really likes that
1: start rubbing their heads mm-hmm. and, and how they loved being around him. What does this really do for him? What does this mean to him?
5: Well, it makes life meaningful for both of them. And he comes home and, and he's happy. And uh, it's, just, it's just part of uh, serving the dementia, just you know, keeps it intact and slows it down. And uh, everybody needs to be needed.
1: And then there's Kate Kate. She's just 22. So why is she here?
3: I, I actually get along better
1: with
4: older people.
1: I've always kind of run with the older crowd. Why do you think that is? What do you see that a lot of people miss?
2: Um, I don't know. It's just the life the life experience, the wisdom. A lot of younger people tend to be out, I don't know, partying, or at least the ones that I've been around. And I don't know. I just like a good conversation with somebody that's kind of what i look for in people
1: villages resident george pusa agrees
2: well now that i'm retired i have plenty of time
1: so why not i mean i've done a lot of volunteering throughout the year and did a lot of community work you know as while i was still in the service and uh just used to volunteering i just don't feel right just sitting at home get to hang out with these fine creatures and uh just enjoy it.
5: Feel right there. Feel how rough that is. Just run that hand right mm-hmm. there. Okay.
1: It's worry. a message inspired by Delano herself and the incredible story of how she's fought the odds just to keep this center going.
5: I've been fired four times because of my horses. I've been dumped because of my horses. I have had many people not believe that we could do this. You know, in 07, I had cancer. Uh, Foreclosures were everywhere. I lost my job. So even when you have nothing, when you're down to like the last of stuff, you just keep on doing
1: for the greater of good. What about all those nagging things in the back of your mind, all those millions of reasons why it won't work? I am Patty Positive. (laughs) I've
5: always believed in the power of positive thought.
1: This is a big breakthrough on her five weeks that she's been here. For people watching the story, if they take away one thing, what do you hope they take away from this?
5: To keep a passion about things and, and believe in it, keep faith that it can, for the greater of good, and help those that need a hand up. You don't always have to give a hand out, but give them a hand up, just like these
2: horses. I give them a hand up so that they can go on to their next life great interview Mr. Schaefer and yet another example that when you do things for the right reason usually you end up making a difference in ways that you never even expected and there is something about caring for animals that does seem to bring out the best in humans if you'd like more information if you want to donate or volunteer they do have a wonderful website at wildhorserescuecenter.org
1: Up next, he's back in the saddle again. It's Mark Middleton, and he'll tell us what's on his mind. Don't miss it. This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by. Winter Park's new Crosby Wellness Center at the Center for Health and Well-Being. More than just a gym, it features unique medically integrated programs, activities for all ages and skill levels, and free group exercise classes with memberships. More at CrosbyWellnessCenter.org. Stay connected to Growing Boulder for daily doses of hope, inspiration, and possibility. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for our latest stories and motivational pictures. You know, one of my favorite parts of the program is near the end, right where we are now, because this is where Mark Middleton starts a conversation on something interesting, something relevant and helpful. So right now, Mark, what's on your mind?
2: Well, I hope this remains one of your favorite parts of the program, Bill, because I'm going to throw you a personal curve, because what's on my mind today is you. Uh, in your family, and, and I hope I'm not getting too personal, Bill. If I am, I know you'll tell me to shut up, and we'll go in a different direction. But uh, Bill lost his dad this past week at 94 years old. Bill's dad passed away uh, near his home in St. Louis. And Bill, I've been thinking about you ever since. How are you doing? And what can you share with us? Uh, because these are amazing times. Uh, you know, when someone. Uh, in our family, a loved one passes away. How are you doing?
1: Well, you know, thank you for asking. And I know you went through this, too, not that long ago. And isn't it, isn't it kind of surprising that here we are in our mid to late 60s and still had our parents, you know, until, uh, until this point? So in, in one way, Mark, at the age of 94... You're not really mourning for the years they lost, you know. meaning if somebody died at 50 or mm. 60, you don't think, well, gee, they missed out on their golden years or anything. But I was made aware of how difficult it can be to survive, to age more than others. My mom pointed out she's 93, and she suddenly feels like she is a stranger in her own world. All the people that she knew growing up, She's seen them pass away. All her brothers and sisters are gone. Her relatives are gone. So it, it, it was a, a, something that really hit me hard and, and didn't expect.
2: Yeah, you know, I'm heartbroken for your loss, Bill. But I love this conversation because you and I have learned this that when we, we've talked to centenarians, the you know the, the most common shared experience of people who live to an old age is loss. You lose your keys. You lose your ability to to drive. You lose your your spouse. You lose your kids many times, and it's a conversation that we don't have enough as a culture. You know, we have to destigmatize you know dying because it, it's a journey we are all going to take at some point. And you know, so so thank you for sharing it with us and with our team. I know you talked to the, to the team about it today uh, during our staff meeting, but. Uh, it 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 is tough, but it is something as you know it. Everybody our age is going through, and and it's difficult for us.
1: And everybody listening has had a loss, and it's one of those things we don't want to talk about it. We're kind of uncomfortable, but once you do, it's it's so uplifting I, I, in a weird way, isn't it, Mark? I mean to to think of you, you, you reflect on yourself, you reflect on who your parents were, you reflect on who you want to be, and what life is about. And man, any opportunity to do that is an opportunity for growth.
2: 94 years old, it was a pretty good run for your dad. And I know he was very, very proud of the family that he raised. And I know you were very, very proud of him. So under the circumstances, under the condition of being a human being, it's about as good as it gets, isn't it?
1: It really is. Uh, None of us make it out alive. It's part of turning the page in the book. We all have our own story to write. So, what is it they say, Mark? It's not the years you you were born or died. It's the dash in the middle. So, people, go out and make that dash the best you can, because this is Growing Boulder. The Growing Boulder Radio Show is a production of Growing Boulder LLC. All rights reserved. This program was recorded at Growing Boulder Studios in Orlando and is available as a weekly podcast on NPR One, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. It is written and produced by Jill Middleton, Mark Middleton, and Bill Schaefer. Technical director is Jason Morrow. Production manager is Michael Nanis. Chief audio engineer is Mac Dula. And our most important team member, you. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to keep growing bolder every day.
0: Crimson flames Tied through my years flowing high and mighty trapped Countless fires road, using ideas as my map. We'll meet on edges, soon said I.